The Diet Doc movement is a custom nutrition experience towards achieving your dream body composition, all the while living your life to the fullest. Myself and Alexa have teamed up to help you achieve your weight loss goals and enjoy the process. How? By throwing out the one plan fits all approach to dieting and applying high touch online coaching. Imagine having your own set of rules that allow for food freedom while still providing results. Hey guys, today's Coffee with Coaches episode explores plant-based dieting with vegan coach Jen Douglas-Craig. All right, welcome everybody. Um, I want to introduce myself real quick. My name is Meredith. For those of you who I haven't met or worked with personally, I am a nutrition coach and the co-owner of the Diet Doc Movement. I've been a licensed nutrition consultant the last year, um, but I've been a fitness professional the last nine years. I've recently moved from Ohio to North Carolina with my husband and manage an anytime fitness and teach paddleboard yoga. And in the spirit of our plant-based talk, I wanna share my favorite vegetable, and I think it's the world's best kept secret, is acorn squash. I never had it until a few years ago, and it's life-changing. And I am a summer solstice baby, so I love all tropical fruit. So pineapple, mango, kiwi, sign me up for all the fruits. So I want to pass it over to my co-owner, Alexa. Hello, everyone. My name is Alexa Miller. I am the owner of the Anytime Fitness in Lima, where Meredith used to manage before she left me to North Carolina. Um, but I am blessed because I still get to work with her every day, um, being the co-owner of the Diet Doc Movement. I have three kids, four, two, and three months old. And my favorite vegetable, I don't know, I have a lot right now, but I would have to say Brussels sprouts, which is probably not very many, not very many people don't like those or like the smell of those, but they're delicious, especially if you burn them. That's, that's my favorite. Um, fruit, I would have to say, I'm going to jump on the train with Meredith here, and I would have to say mango is probably one of my favorites, although I don't eat it too much, but it's good. Well, great. Thanks, Lex. So we at the Diet Doc Movement promote flexible dieting um, and how to track macronutrients. So all food contains macronutrients, and all macronutrients yield calories. Our ultimate goal is to lead all of our clients to their desired body composition, but more importantly, we wanna coach them towards a healthier lifestyle. So today, we're gonna to move away from the tracking of numbers, numbers and macros and calories and dive into the benefits of plant-based dieting with speaking coach, Jen Douglas-Craig. So she helps people transition from a plant-based lifestyle without the overwhelm of traditional dieting. So Jen, tell us a little bit about yourself and what led you to transition from a meat-based diet to a vegan diet. Hey everybody, I'm Jen. It's good to meet you all. Um, okay, so I'm gonna share my experience, my journey with plant-based lifestyle. Please take it or leave it. If you're curious about it, um, I, I'm sending a couple recipes your way and there's a website. So if this is something that interests you, there's a website called nutritionfacts.org 
which is a science-based website which shows you all of the latest studies done on nutrition as far as um, nutrition and health problems go. So for example, if you struggle with MS or lupus or high blood pressure or any aspect, you can plug it into that website and they'll say, this is the food that we've noticed actually reverses these diseases. And um, so I think, please take or leave whatever I say. I'm just here to share my information, not to sway any of you, of course. So we got into a plant-based, I'm married to an Australian man who loves his meat. And um, I grew up in a Cuban family and I loved eating meat and animal products a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. We ended up going plant-based, shocking, surprisingly to us all, because about five years ago, my husband went in to the doctor and they said, you have really, really high cholesterol and you're gonna need to be put on medication. My husband's grandfather died at 45 of a heart attack. So my husband was already older than 45 and this was a very scary, scary thought for us. We have two little kids. Um, my kids are now eight and six, which is why I'm in my bedroom because I'm hiding from them. <laughs> so they're gonna have a quiet conversation. But um, we were really scared and we watched this documentary called Forks Over Knives. And it talked about how you can reverse heart disease through a plant-based diet without any medication at all. So we thought we'd give it a whirl, just whatever, just the next few months, let's just try this out and see if anything happens. His cholesterol went from 267 to 124 in months. His doctor was shocked and was like, what on earth did you do? And <laughs> when Steve told him what he did, the doctor just said, well, you can't stop. If you stop, you're gonna end up on medication. And what ended up happening was that our family, our taste buds adapted, our taste buds changed. We found recipes that, um, uh, I don't know, I guess uh, helped us indulge in all the flavors and, and types of foods that we enjoy eating. And we were able to kind of take things like enchiladas and burgers and um, you know burritos and make those a plant-based version of things that we already loved to eat. And it made the lifestyle much easier. So that's kind of how we got into plant-based lifestyle. And it really has turned into a passion and our children eat that way too. So yeah, it's, it's pretty crazy. That's amazing that I, you know, we've taken it beyond just body composition and dove into really the forefront of what nutrition is placed in this world for is nourishment and health and longevity of life. So I'd love to hear that that was your driving force. And it, I think Alexa can attest that when there is a health marker placed behind our body composition goals, that's really what's going to create the sustainable long-term shift in our diets. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. So share with us too, your favorite vegetable and fruits since they all know ours now. This is hard because I liked everything you guys said. I love Brussels sprouts. I love acorn squash. I don't know. Right now I'm really into zucchini for some reason. I don't know. And I always love like a papaya. That's like one fruit that I want to like eat the whole thing and not share with anyone. <laughs> That's hard as a mom, right? <laughs> it worked out really well. No one in my family likes it. <laughs> so I have a question for you, Jennifer. Because there's so many moms on this call, what would be probably the biggest advice maybe, or how, how would you even start? And maybe it's not transitioning to, um, to a vegetarian per se, but just 
to start adding in more veggies. Um, you know, with kids, it's tough, right? Um, so how to maybe talk about that, that journey with them in the beginning and how you kind of got them to transition. Well, I think kids, if we're specifically talking about kids, I really kind of um, included them in the process. Like I took them to the supermarket with me, which is really not an option now, but I took them to the supermarket with me and I would be like, you guys each get to pick three veggies and three fruits. And like, they would just like run around and grab things. And I made it seem like something really exciting that they got to do. And then I would buy cookbooks that were plant-based cookbooks and then say, flip through all the pages. You know, first off it arrives in a package from the, and the Amazon package comes and they're like, oh, you know, it's a package in the mail. And so they open the package. And I'm like, pick any recipe you want. And so they would look through and they would pick the recipes and then we'd cook the food together. Now, that didn't always mean that they ate that food because realistically speaking, like kids don't always eat what they prepare and they don't always necessarily eat what you want them to eat, but it made them interested and eager. And we would talk about certain things like beans have a lot of fiber and they give you iron and they make you strong and they make you run fast. And, um, and I also took foods that they already liked, like, burritos, tacos, whatever sort of meals they already liked. And I found a plant-based version and just kind of like swapped them out. And we talked about why we swapped them out, but, um, but you know, uh, and it wasn't too hard for my kids because I also told them from an animal's perspective, you know, when we swapped it out, I was like, we're going to eat beans instead of, you know, eating this cow. Um, and they're animal lovers, so they were kind of okay with that. I, you know, I, they had never thought of it that way. I never taught them like we we're eating an animal. But once I said that, they were actually okay with it. So that's another way that I kind of, kind of leaned into eating more plants. But I would say like we also went strawberry picking and you know little like really hands-on approach to food. I think is where you kind of get kids. And even now, my kids are very good eaters but they still don't always eat everything that I put in front of them. And that's kind of just okay. You know, that's part of it too. It was, you can lead a horse to water. <laughs> <You know? laughs> what are some of the, so I was, I was going through the recipes that you shared with us earlier and everybody, I, I posted them on our uh, coaching group and our coffee with coaches group too. So take a look through that file. They look delicious. And two parts. I saw that nutritional yeast was a component of one. And I think that's going to lead me to my second question. And how do you then make, you know, so often we're like, oh, okay, fruits and vegetables, raw carrot, bite on a, you know, stick of celery, not exciting for a lot of people. How do we make them excited and taste good? Like you said, taste like maybe a product they're used to in their regular diet but kind of make it enjoyable in a different sense beyond just like, I'm supposed to be eating this. Yeah, for sure. I think that's the biggest thing because we can, we can know that things are healthy for us, but unless they taste good, unless they won't be sustainable. So it doesn't even matter. Right. Like, um, so for me, I think, okay, there's a couple of things. So I like to really think about like, what are my favorite cuisines? Italian, Mexican, Tex-Mex, um, you know, and I start to go down the list in my mind, Thai, Chinese, whatever it is. And um, then I start to break it down from there. I can maybe Google like a whole food plant-based. That's that, that would be the, um, if you guys want to Google anything, Google whole food plant-based, because that's where the weight loss will come in. 
um, cause we can all eat like vegan donuts and vegan pizza and those are all really delicious, but that's not going to help with weight loss. Trust me. I tried. And so, um, I put in like whole food plant-based Tex-Mex and then the, the internet will pop up like a thousand different things. I also like to think about what do my taste buds want? What do I like? Do I like what textures? Do I like chewy, gooey? Do I like crunchy, salty? Do I like sweet and creamy? And there are like so many different recipes that will fall under those categories. And um, that's how I like to break it down. I think spices and uh, herbs are so huge because they have gigantic nutritional benefits. Like garlic, they did a study recently on weight loss in garlic and they gave people a placebo pill and they gave people a pill that was like a garlic powder pill and people lost weight just with not not changing anything else except for for taking that garlic powder so like herbs and spices have zero calories basically and a ton of flavor but then also nutrients like antioxidants so if we suffer from like sore knees or like sore joints or if we if you guys work out a lot which i know a lot of you do like you know, working out a lot, like you need anti-inflammatories and the, the where you get that is from plants. So the more plants you eat, the more like your the less inflammation your body has. So like spices are huge, turmeric, garlic, cumin, those things that, you know, that those are like so good. So that's the way I go. That's kind of my totally have to agree with that, Jennifer. We just recently, with the help of my mother-in-law, who's on this call, um, planted a garden with lots of fun herbs, and it does make it a little more exciting, even to me, to say, okay, let's throw this veggie, and let's go pick something fun from the garden and see what it tastes like. Um, sometimes I'm just throwing everything, you know, all in, all in the, on everything, but um, I think it does make a difference when you, um, you know, we think of vegetables like, here's just some raw broccoli, or here just you know, throw it, bake it, and it's just plain, and it doesn't taste very good. Um, so next question I have is, if somebody who is, because we have a lot of clients that come to us that say, there's, there's no veggie, maybe I'll eat a green bean, but other than that, I don't do any veggies. What would be some, like, sneaky ways we could add it into their diet, or where, what would be a good starting point, I guess, for them? That is such a good question. I think the first thing I would say is that you're listening to this call and you're one of those people and you're like, you're afraid uh, that your taste buds will change over time. They will, they absolutely will, right? Um, ways to sneak it in sauces, like let's say you're gonna make a marinara. You can throw in a ton of vegetables. You could chop them up really small and cook them up that way. And then, um, or even put it in the blender and blend like zucchini and, um, I mean, anything, any vegetable you want into like a, a, a like a couple of cans of tin tomato plus an onion plus garlic plus zucchini, uh, broccoli, whatever. You could blend that up and that could become a pasta sauce. You make a pasta, add some lentils and make the rest of that plate some more vegetables that you can tolerate and you have a very large quantity of food for very low calories. And I would say like blending things or sticking it in flavors you already like. Let's say you like chili. You can make a bean chili and really chop up some mushrooms really finely or other veggies that you might not like super, super finely or even blend them again and stick them in the bean chili. If you add enough seasonings, you don't taste those flavors. Though I have to say, if you go that route, you're getting the nutrition, but 
you're not necessarily adapting to the taste that's okay over time you can slowly start adapting to the taste like also with like smoothies and i'm sure you guys are probably like the queens of smoothies like throw in any you can throw in sometimes i throw in frozen broccoli like from the freezer into my kids smoothies and they keep it nice and cold and they blend it up really well and they don't really taste it and um you know i think it's kind of like you can you can trick yourself you know um i think that's the way blender blending yeah i found with um yeah we do have some some clients we've partnered with a smoothie company in, in lima too that they're shocked when i say hey throw a little bit of avocado in your smoothie avocado and spinach and it's like what like it's a texture thing i promise just try it the color will be ugly but it'll taste beautiful <laughs> that's awesome i would love to just interject really quick and see if anybody has a specific question for jen that they've been curious about so feel free to unmute yourself and jump on in if you do no questions well jen and i or lex and i obviously have thousands of questions so we will continue to jump in um so I would love to highlight in the recipe book, everybody, once you read through it, you'll notice how these are all plant-based recipes, but I've included the macronutrient breakdown from the recipes that Jen have supplied me. And you'll see that they all have a protein substance to it. So, so often we get from clients like, man, it's just so hard to increase protein. Like, I don't want any more chicken. I don't, you know, I can only eat so much fish um, or so many eggs. But if you take a look at these recipes, they all are yielding some fraction of protein. So Jen, if you could kind of highlight maybe how vegetables not only yield carbohydrates, but how, what are some of your more protein-based go-to items with a plant-based diet? Okay, this is a great question because I think this goes into also how you end up losing weight on a plant-based diet, which is like, so in plant-based dieting, um, the majority of the protein is, is all, I guess all of the protein is fiber rich. So when we think of protein, we're thinking of beans, we're thinking of nuts, we're thinking of seeds, and then all vegetables have some component of protein, right? But you'd have to eat a lot of that vegetable to get like a large bulk of protein, which um, actually is really hard physically to do, to eat a ton of, of like, for example, to eat a hundred calories of broccoli, you would have to eat a pound of broccoli. That is a challenge. I feel like that is like a challenge you would set to somebody. Like, I dare you to eat a pound of broccoli, right? Um, so, so beans are an amazing source of protein. And there's a couple reasons why. First off, beans have a lot of antioxidants. So that inflammation, if your body, if you have any kind of sickness at all, there is inflammation, no matter what. But also, okay, so what's interesting about a plant protein versus a, an animal protein is that an animal protein, the cellular wall, is like is a thin membrane so when you eat a chicken for example that chicken is quickly absorbed into your body all of the calories are quickly absorbed it's quickly digested so with a bean though a bean or any other high fiber food those the cellular wall of a bean is like encased in fiber and what that means is that like fiber is not completely digestible by the human body so like we all know when we eat corn, what happens? Well, <clears throat> the same thing happens with all sorts of other foods that are high fiber. We just don't see it because it's not as prominent as a corn. But 
so you at your body it bulks up your stool and you um it helps flush out your intestinal system but not only that is that it feeds your gut bacteria so we all know about probiotics which is what we want to take especially after we've taken an antibiotic or we're not feeling good in the stomach we take a probiotic to help those little bacteria. well beans and any other high fiber food is a prebiotic so what you're doing is you're feeding that little gut flora that makes your body really rock and really work well you're feeding it beforehand so that it grows and grows and grows so um it's also why you can eat a large volume of food on a plant-based diet and not gain as much weight or be satiated a lot quicker because a bean, for example, I'm just keep saying bean because beans are probably the number one biggest, you know, protein source and they're a huge protein source. That bean is, um, is going to do so many things for you, like fill you up. Like for example, there's something called the ileal break, which is nine feet down in your body. If you took a tube, and shoved it nine feet down in your body, you get to this little trigger point in our intestines right before we hit our colon called the ileal break. And that if they, if you drip, like they've done it in studies where they've shoved tubes down people's throats, they've dripped either, it could be water, it could be fat, it could be anything, you could drip it. As soon as you trigger that, your body goes into a response where it feels satiated, like an appetite suppressant, and it um, will send hormones through your body saying, I am very full. It also sends hormones saying, I don't want anything sweet, which is really interesting. So um, the only foods that make it that far down your body because they are not yet absorbed by your body are high fiber foods. The highest fiber foods are grains and beans. So once that ileal break is triggered, you can spend the next 12 hours satiated, meaning like if I eat beans at breakfast or lunch, 12 hours later, I'm still not as hungry as I was before eating those beans. That's kind of the science behind plant-based protein, which I just totally geeked out, I'm sorry. It's very interesting to me. I love that you said you just geeked out because if any of our clients that have worked with us directly were like, stop us when we've geeked out too far and we continue. But I, I, I'm so appreciative of your uh, attack of that question because we are a company that, yes, we're tracking numbers and all that, but um, you know, we land on science, um, but we're also diving into the, the psychology of dieting too. So to kind of recap, right, almost learning and tricking our brains into, hey, you can adapt your flavor profile, but then from a scientific level, hey, when you're eating X, Y, and Z, this is what's happening to your body, your metabolism, your ghrelin and leptin levels that you are referencing. Um, we also talk about too, because we've already highlighted smoothies, but we also dive into, hey, what would be the benefit of eating the foods in the smoothie versus blending them on satiety, high volume foods? Could you dive into those words a bit more? Because we do throw them around a lot as coaches. Um, but what does satiety mean versus I'm, versus I'm full? What is a low volume food versus a high volume food um, kind of in definition? Yeah, so, okay, this is such a good question. I think this is really important because we can pack a smoothie and drink a smoothie relatively quickly if we're hungry, for example, right? And finish that smoothie in a matter of minutes. But if you were to dump out that smoothie's contents prior to blending them up and you sat there and tried to eat those contents in their whole form, it would take significantly longer to actually physically eat all that spinach, those bananas, 
the frozen mango or whatever else that you're putting into the smoothie. So sometimes changing up, like how you eat things will change the way, kind of like what you're saying, Meredith, change the way that, change how full you get and how quickly you get, you, you fill up, right? And I mean, you can be physically full and then still not feel satiated. And I think that's an issue, right? Because like our mind, we want something, like we're like hungry for something. And um, we look for that solution in food. Like I want, like, you know, it's kind of like when you get into that binge cycle, if anybody can relate, where you're like eating and you eat stuff and you're like, well, that's not it. That's not what I felt like eating. And then you eat more stuff and you're like, that's not what I felt like eating. And like, meanwhile, physically you're, you're almost ill, but like your, your taste buds. And I mean, for me, I, that's always like, I have to ask myself the question, like, what thoughts am I thinking? Like, what like what is going on deeply inside my brain, body, stress level right now that makes me think that a certain food is going to fill that void? Because really, the, we all know like food only solves one problem and that's hunger. Like that's the only problem that food solves. I think though with the plant-based diet, you can eat large quantities of food on a plant-based diet. It's like we said, you know, okay, for example, if I wanted to sit down and eat 2000 calories of ice cream, I could do that in one sitting, right? Like I could easily do that. Uh, and uh, if I wanted to eat, let's say that was strawberry ice cream. If I wanted to eat 2000 calories of strawberries, that would be 44 cups of strawberries. I don't know if I could physically do that. I don't know. I don't think I could physically do it. Maybe over the course of a day, I could physically eat 44 calories or cups of strawberries. And so when you start to break down things, like if I wanted to eat 1200 calories of food a day which is really really low but if i wanted to eat 1200 calories of food and i wanted to eat it in acorn squash it would be 10 pounds of acorn squash like can i eat 10 pounds of acorn squash like that's insane that's so much right so like i think with with plant-based foods what's really interesting is if we can find a way to make them or eat them that's um satisfying to us then we can really eat large quantities of food um, without, and feel really nice and full without like, um, while still being in a calorie deficit, right? Because in the end, it just comes to calorie deficit. But the, the thing, the science that I've, I've done, or the, the investigating that I've done, I mean to say, is that we all kind of eat the same amount of food. Like we, our bodies want to eat like a certain like, amount of food like however many pounds or cups of food like I want to eat and whether I choose to eat it in like donuts or whether I choose to eat it in real food my body will always want to go to that place and that's what like high fiber uh, foods allow you to do eat a bulk of food without without a ton of calories you know Does that I, think, I think a lot of times people for example, if they see me eat and they're like, oh my gosh, you eat a ton of food or that you're going to eat all that. Um, you know, you have a big salad and a bunch of veggies and some protein. And, and then you see somebody that maybe just has a breakfast sandwich from McDonald's. Mm. Um, and you look at the two in the, in, in calorie wise, they might be somewhat the same, but you're like, oh my gosh, look at all this food that I can consume and consume and consume. And you just gobble that thing down in five minutes and you're still hungry. Um, so I think that's where Meredith and I, uh, with our clients, we're constantly saying, take a look at your meals. If you're feeling, if you are 
you know, your calorie deficit is at 1300, 1400 calories and you're, you're not feeling full at the end of the day, take a look at your food sources. Like what are you eating? What can you add to your meals um, to get that bulk to feel full? Yeah. So true. So true. Has this stimulated any questions from any of our clients that are tuning in? I have a question. Uh, if you juice the vegetables, are you losing all those fibers? Yes, if you juice the vegetables, you lose the fiber. So the so juicing is great if like, let's say you have IBS or you have Crohn's disease or you have another disease where you have a lot of digestion issues and fiber actually aggravates like a chronic illness. Juicing is an excellent way to absorb nutrients without the fiber. So you can still have like a lifestyle that you still all hit all your nutrition markers. But if you are trying for weight loss, um, high fiber, you want to keep that fiber, just make the same thing, but a smoothie version. So you can keep the fiber and then you'll be fuller, you know. That's a really good question though. I think a lot of people get confused by that. Even I was confused by that. I only know the answer because I looked it up also. I almost bought a juicer and then was like, nope, I'm gonna keep my blender. Cheryl, can I lean on you for a sec? Because I believe that you've um, dabbled in Ayurvedic dieting. Hi. Uh, <laughs> it's just really was a dabble. Um, a I dabble. wish I would have done more with it, but I really, didn't, didn't really stick with it. They're very big into herbs and, and different things depending on your dosha. So yeah. That's what I was hoping maybe you could share a little bit about maybe even just the discovery of the different flavors of herbs and spices that that type of dieting involves. Did you land on a new spice or a flavor palette that you started to enjoy? Um, I think that was probably the first time I really got involved with ginger. Um, so they're big on t and steeping the ginger into water and making a ginger tea and um, that I enjoy. And then also turmeric as the first, uh, first time I'd really been exposed to turmeric. And I know it does have a lot of benefits, as she said, with uh, anti-inflammatory and that type of thing. So yeah, I've never really, I picked up and looked at the turmeric at the store um, and said, yeah, that's, that's, that's too much. So I just buy the turmeric and it, I get it from an Ayurvedic source. I'd have to look where it is, but I buy it in powder form. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks for sharing. Yeah. I, that nutritional yeast is a, is a thing I would like her to expound on. I've had it before and then um, it's one of the things I bought was in the cupboard and then, you know, then you look at it later and, oh, that expired. So I don't know what to do with that. Yeah, that's a, okay. That's such a good question because only in the past few years have I used nutritional yeast, um, and it's really kind of now becoming more common to find. Before it really even wasn't, and if you can't find it, you can always buy it on Amazon. But um, basically, it's like a cheesy flavor. It's not a yeast like a bread yeast. Think of it like a seasoning, but I wouldn't do it on its own. Um, I, like eat it just on its own. Um, you can mix it into foods to really add a depth of flavor. So people like to say that also has like a cheesy, a cheesy flavor. So you can add it. Like sometimes I make um, a plant-based Parmesan cheese because I really, really loved like powdered, so bad, fake powdered cheese you put on pasta. I liked it. I liked it. I wanted it. When I transitioned to a plant-based diet, I want that powder on my pasta. Well, I made <laughs> a plant-based version, which is like you take some raw, raw cashews, 
salt, garlic powder, and some nutritional yeast and you blend it in a food processor and it turns into a powder. And it tastes very, very similar to Parmesan cheese. And it's, oh, wow. I would put it on. Um, but you, people use it for like tofu, scramble. I'm going to talk about tofu in a second. Cause if, cause if I'll bet somebody who's not here, who watches this in replay will be like, they didn't talk about tofu. Um, but you use it to kind of bring a depth of flavor, but it also has a ton of nutrition and it is also now linked to weight loss. Just like the garlic powder was linked to, um, helping with weight loss, so is nutritional yeast. So having a little bit of nutritional yeast every day, you could throw it in a, sometimes when I make curries like, or chili or anything that kind of um, like a pasta, you can just throw in a tablespoon or two and it kind of does add like a little depth of flavor. And okay, good. So shall I talk about tofu? You should definitely talk about tofu. <laughs> I'm really interested in the Ayurvedic uh, lifestyle <clears throat> and I've, I've always wanted to do that really, really dabble in that. So thank you for reminding me. Okay, so tofu. So people get really worried about tofu. I was really worried about tofu when my kids became plant-based or vegan, whatever you want to call it, that for my son, I have a son, and I was like, can I give tofu to my child? And um, because I'd heard about estrogens, and I think all of us kind of have heard this, this kind of idea about estrogens. Okay, so tofu when you think about it, it's pretty logical, but it's very confusing out there, the information we're given. So tofu doesn't have estrogen. Tofu is a bean. Plants don't have estrogen. Plants are not animals. And estrogen is a hormone. A hormone can't be made by a plant. So um, the only products that have estrogen are animal products because they're animals. They make hormones, especially reproductive animal products like milk and eggs, because that is part of the reproductive system. So the females that produce those things make very high volumes of estrogen, just like women do on a monthly basis. And that's where we get estrogen in our diet. Um, tofu has phytoestrogens. Phytoestrogens are estrogen blockers. So they actually leach onto the cell and fight off any estrogen that comes its way. So they've done studies where people who've had breast cancer, who are really, uh, Breast cancer is triggered by estrogen and made worse by estrogen. So they've given women, um, and I'm sure men who've had breast cancer, daily doses of soy milk or any soy product. And they found that um, remission decreases uh, or increases by 90% if you eat soy on the daily. So if you're somebody who's had breast cancer before or you have breast cancer in your family, including soy is an excellent idea. Um, and it has been linked for people who've um, had it, gone into remission and then started taking soy. The people who didn't take soy um, were 50% more likely to die of breast, of, of uh, another bout of breast mm -hmm. cancer later. So um, again, soy is just a bean. There is no hormone in a bean. So, um, and soy, you cannot overdo it on soy. I mean, you can overdo it on anything, like you could drown yourself drinking too much water. So yes, overdo it on soy, but not in the way that we kind of are afraid to. And it was actually my pediatrician who walked me through on this, because when we became plant-based, he actually said, when you change your milk over, I'd like it to be soy, because soy has a lot of protein as well as um, all sorts of other nutrients. So um, I found that really fascinating about soy. And also there's this thing called soy curls. If you go on Amazon, so they take, you know what, you get an edamame bean, which is the soy bean, like at a, a Japanese restaurant. 
Well, soy curls are basically, you take that edamame bean, they've dehydrated it. When they dehydrate it, it pops in kind of this little funny shape, like, you know, those like packing peanuts. Um, and then they sell them to you in bags. It's considered a whole food because it hasn't been processed at all. Then you rehydrate it with a little hot water, you drain the water. And then when you cook it, it has the same texture as chicken or like a pulled, you can manipulate it to kind of taste like that texture. So if you're somebody who wants to eat, maybe you want to crowd in more of these foods, but you miss that texture. I do. I like the texture of meat. I eat foods that mimic that texture. So that is another good one. Soy curls. I'll write it in the chat just in case anybody wants to look it up. Later. Yeah, that sounds delicious. I have another um, question, Nick. Can I ask a question? So with this, is soy, is that, a, is that um, high in protein then since it's a bean? Yes, it's very high in protein. Oh, that's good to know. And it's also, you can mimic, you can manipulate soy, like tofu to taste. If you don't like tofu, there's like a thousand ways you can cook it to change the texture, to change the flavor. And if you don't like tofu, it's probably because you haven't had it in a texture that you've enjoyed. And that used to be me. I've made tofu really bad on many occasions in the beginning and was like, mm -hmm. this is disgusting. Like I'm crying and throwing it away. But then I learned to make it really well. In fact, I made it for Meredith and her family at Christmas dinner. I made a shepherd's pie with like a ground tofu. And her dad said that if he hadn't been told that it was tofu, he would have thought it was beef. So do you buy the, are you buying the firm? Yeah, I buy extra firm. That's okay. almost always buy is extra firm. Okay. Because mm -hmm. I've tried it before too and went, <laughs> okay. I've had tofu too. It's, um, it really absorbs the flavor in which you prepare it. Right. Um, so if you're craving or really um, wanting a specific cuisine um, that, so if you cook it with a little like peanut oil or coconut aminos, it will take on those flavor palettes, which are really pungent in, you know, if you're looking at peanut oil, maybe like Indian cuisine or the coconut aminos or like the soy sauces. Um, it really does absorb that. And just to kind of put it into diet doc movement vernacular. So um, a cup of tofu, I just, um, you can find this on your, your MyFitnessPal too, if you do decide to, to dabble in it. A cup of tofu would yield about 24 grams of protein. Oh, wow. Um, and then, um, so it, it does come with it about eight grams of carbs and eight grams of fat. So this would be a really, really good alternative for our clients that are saying like, oh, I'm, I'm tired of, you know, of, of the traditional meat sources or protein sources, but still have that desire to hit, you know, a, a certain ratio of, of protein based on their, their body composition goals or their performance goals. Um, Jen, what would be, um, I, the only way I've actually prepared tofu is I'll slice it up into little like two inch blocks and I'll um, pan sear it with whatever flavoring that I want. What are some other um, quick ways to prepare tofu um, differently? Okay, that's a great question. <clears throat> and okay, so I do the same thing, but instead of like sauteing it, I will put it in the oven. And if you want a chewier texture, like you might get at a, like an Asian, like a Thai restaurant where you would get like tofu and it's kind of chewy, put it in the oven and leave it, um, you know, check on it. I mean, I, I, I don't, I cook in a very organic way, which means sometimes I burn things, sometimes I don't, but like, I usually just throw it in there, maybe 450 and, or you could do it less. Like if you want to slow roll it, you can flavor it up, chop it up, 
put it in the oven on a parchment paper. You don't need to add any oil. You don't need to add anything, just a lot of seasonings, whatever flavor you like. And then um, it will come out chewy. Just check on it, maybe 30 minutes at 450. Just check on it. The longer you leave it, the chewier it gets. So you could also crumble the tofu instead of cutting it up into blocks. Crumble it all over your parchment paper. Season it up with some chili spices, maybe like a tiny bit of oil to give you that fatty, salty texture. And then what will happen is that over time, you keep going back, stirring, stirring, put it back in a little longer, kind of like you would braise something. Like um, you just keep going at it. You got to think of tofu like you think of meat, like cooking meat. You know, we cook meat in a lot of different preparations to get a lot of different textures. It's the same with tofu. But if you crumbled it, you added certain seasonings, you put it in. And then you've stirred it from time to time, removed it around from time to time. Eventually, you'll end up with something that looks and tastes a lot like a ground beef. And then that's what I did for that shepherd's pie. Threw, then I threw it in a gravy. And then I threw the mashed potato on top, you know. But, um, but I think that's, that's a good way, too. Um, I mean, there's loads of You could also, like, oh, you know what? The, one of the best ways, which I'm going to make later. My family's like, woman, like, make us breakfast. But... Cause it's, cause I'm on, I'm, I'm on Los Angeles. So I'm a little earlier than you guys, but, um, I make a tofu scramble. So I cook up some onions, some garlic. I crumble a block of tofu in a pan. I put the nutritional yeast, got you with the nutritional yeast, put in some, turmeric, put in some black pepper so you can get all the benefits of the turmeric. Cause you need to combine turmeric and black pepper together to get the, the antioxidant benefit. And then I add some garlic powder and, and I stir that up really well, I saute it really well. Then I add a ton of vegetables, a ton of vegetables. And then my kids will want it wrapped in a burrito. I might want it on a piece of Ezekiel bread or wrapped in a burrito, some salsa, that sort of thing. I'm so hungry now. I'm ready for second breakfast. <laughs> Do we have any other questions in the group for Jen or Lex, if you have any other follow-up questions? Um, we're gonna say Jen. I was gonna say just a shout out to Ohio, one of the biggest, biggest doctors made, who's made one of the some of the biggest um, nutritional. Oh my gosh, uh, I, I don't even know how to put it. Like biggest medical advancements in nutrition is actually from Ohio, Dr. Caldwell Esselstyn from the Cleveland Clinic like super huge, super famous for a lot of this work. We talk about reversing heart disease, reversing diabetes, reversing all these diseases. Anyways, shout out to Ohio. He still lives there. That's awesome. So I, I also want to include for, for our group, since we have some clients that we've, we're currently working with, have worked with in the past, and anybody tuning in later to um, listening to, that when Alex and I handcraft your metabolic map, your macronutrient profile, we do take into consideration your lifestyle needs. So, you know, we've worked with vegetarians or vegans in the past. And if that is a food preference of theirs, yes, we are going to alter the, the macronutrient layout. So it's much more um, conducive for that type of eating style. Um, so if you're interested in kind of dabbling in it, maybe you're working with us currently and you're like, I just, I can't seem to hit our, my numbers. The more, you know, tofu that I'm involving or the less animal products that I'm consuming. We always ask our clients to have that open dialogue with us because we can start to tweak the, the overall profile. 
um, that you're striving for to meet the lifestyle needs because we are we don't ever just want to be a you know follow this eat this not that type of dieting program we want you to understand what's going to work best for your body health wise emotionally um, energetically all of that and sometimes that does looking at our lifestyle choices too um, so keep that in mind too if if you're currently working with us if this is something that you do ever want to explore be it now down the road um, us as coaches are happy to work with you as well. So Jen is a vegan coach. She kind of specializes with helping families transition into a vegan lifestyle. Um, so Jen, where can people follow you for more information or if they have follow-up questions, how can they get a hold of you um, beyond us making the connection for you? Okay, so if you wanna get in touch with me, I'm happy to answer any questions that you might have along the way. Um, just throw me a DM on Instagram. It's Jen Douglas Craig on Instagram. Also, like if you want to shoot me over an email, I often just help people off the fly. You don't need to necessarily for me to answer questions for you or help you out at all. Jen Douglas Craig at Gmail as well. So um, actually I've just been hired by TikTok. So I guess I'll be on TikTok soon. <laughs> we'll see. Then you have to teach me how that, how, how to do that. I don't know what a TikTok is. <laughs> there, we'll see. <laughs> It'll be the same handle there. But um, I'm happy to answer any questions if you're interested. Also on the information sheet, like I said, there's a documentary that I put um, called The Game Changers, which is super interesting about how Olympic athletes and like professional athletes are using a plant-based diet now to get stronger and to be like beat records. That's really interesting. Also very motivating. It's like makes you want to work out after you watch it. Um, so there's more information on that worksheet. Um, yeah, hit me up with any questions if you have any. Awesome. Well, thank you for your time. This has been so thorough from the science standpoint, from the lifestyle standpoint. We, I've thoroughly appreciated and I've learned myself as a coach. Well, thanks for having yeah, Jen. Thank you so much, Jen. And it's so nice to have you um, in our back pocket as well as we continue to work with clients. We really appreciate you and your time. Thank you guys. It's been a pleasure. All right, everybody have a great rest of your weekend and stay tuned for our next Coffee with Coaches. Thanks. Bye.